Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly marriage hour here on Trending. We're going to talk about everything from abortion, the sanctuary state in California, and the battle for life. We'll talk about a mother's responsibility and some of the early teaching of what mothers should be passing on to their children and how nothing's changed. For some reason, we often think that it has, but there's much to be discussed on that. We're also going to talk about our vows in marriage and what St. Augustine talked about, the three goods of marriage. What are those good elements of marriage that we need to uphold? And a very fun topic. I'm actually interested in discussing it with you. Do you believe in aliens? And if you do, uh, or if you don't, would your faith be shaken if they existed? I will be really frank, kind of leading off this conversation. I'm not big on the whole alien conversation, but what I am intrigued by is a response of many people, whether or not it would shake their faith, how it would be disruptive to them. It doesn't shake mine. I'll share with you why, uh, but I would love to hear from you. We'll talk about that a little later on today, but if you want to call, we'll discuss that later, and I'll take your thoughts on it in a little bit. The number is 888-914-9149. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Joining me today on Trending is Catherine Contreras. She's the founder and president of Vox Vitae. It's a pro-life organization that's focused on educating and equipping us to be strong pro-life voices. It's based out of Southern California, and they are in the midst of a battleground. They do everything from training up youth, uh, helping to strategize with the pro-life movement there in California. And I'm curious, Catherine, you're joining us now here on Trending. I know you do a lot in Hello. training up hundreds of sidewalk co- counselors in the mm-hmm. state, and things have changed with Roe versus Wade. A lot of the opinion and conversation about abortion is changing. What are you seeing firsthand at the abortion clinics in Southern California? Hi, Timree. Thank you for having me. Um, This is a very important conversation because uh, we hear people thinking that um, abortion empowers women and that it's this wonderful thing that frees up women. But what we have seen um, firsthand is more women are coming in um, with bruises, um, they're having bruises on their arms or sometimes on their legs. So we're seeing more um, signs of some type of physical violence. We're seeing um, an increase in Spanish-speaking women. Um, we're seeing um, they seem they're sadder. And they've always been. Um, it, it's not ever a joyful experience for women to be walking into an abortion facility, but they're sadder. They're, they seem to be more downtrodden. They're, um, are, they're, they're needing more assistance, and they're also um, I'm a little bit more reluctant to be speaking with us. Um, sometimes it seems as if they've been coached, which we know that they have been, um, but they, they're, um, 
we do see more signs of abuse. Why do you think that is? Human trafficking. That's my, um, we are uh, suspicious of that. Um, we do see signs of women on surgical abortion facility days that um, they're there early in the morning um, with not a lot of clothes on. That's a very big sign. If you're going in um, um, on the surgical abortion day, typically the women, because of the method of a surgical abortion, they wear, uh, they, they need to wear more flexible, more comfortable clothing, more soft fabrics mm-hmm. around them because it is hard on them. And these girls, sometimes they're coming in early in the morning with um, like a halter top or a small, small mini skirt. Um, there's a man around them. And those are big signs of human trafficking that these girls are being pimped. And they'll please every, anyone who is ever um, a sidewalk advocate and you see these signs, please contact um, the authorities because the, the girls, they need assistance. Amen. I think that's an important thing. And we'll get a human trafficking line to have here. I'll share that in just a moment here because we need to spread the word. There are a lot of people who are stuck in sex trafficking. And especially mm-hmm. we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Jim Caviezel, the actor from who played Jesus in The Passion. We were mm-hmm. talking about how he's blowing the whistle on what's happening right now with sex trafficking with a new film coming out on the 4th of July. I'll post a link to that interview. But it's interesting to me, Catherine, that you're connecting this increase in physical violence in terms of women you're seeing in the abortion clinics mm-hmm. in Southern California with sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking to hear. I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but this is why we are there right. to intervene. And if you or someone you know is caught in human trafficking, if you suspect it, please call this number, 888 888- 373-7888. That's 888-373-7888. We'll post that on social media as well as along with in the episode notes. Catherine, are you seeing an increase in the number of women coming into the abortion clinic? And I'll just add a little caveat before you answer here. Now, we know that California is a, quote, sanctuary state, even mm-hmm. un unfettered access to funding for abortion in the state. People from out of state are being brought in for abortions. Have you seen an increase in the number of women seeking abortions in California? We are seeing an increase outside of the later term abortion facilities, the ones that do provide more surgical abortions. Um, With the ones who are non-surgical, they seem to be coming in for more, um, like we're seeing more um, hormone treatments, um, like transgender hormone treatments or birth control, um, we're, that is what we're recognizing. But back to the um, human trafficking, if I could just make a point, if everyone could please contact their, um, their elected representatives and, and ask them to vote yes on SB 14. This is a bill that would make the human trafficking of a minor a serious felony. Currently, the, the trafficking of a minor is not a serious felony. And this it's outrageous what is happening to our children. And so um, that's, uh, that, that's another thing that we're also working on legislatively. We'll share a link about that in the social media notes, especially about contacting your representative. So just to mm-hmm. confirm that Senate bill in California 14, is that correct? Yes, SB 14. So what's significant about this is that we need to fight back against the fact that 
there's no clear line helping to protect children today, and sex trafficking is rampant. We could share stories of things we've seen firsthand in the crisis pregnancy centers. I worked for six years mm-hmm. as the director of education and communication in a crisis pregnancy center, and we saw we saw signs of this. We would have women uh, come in, and we've seen Planned Parenthood live action. Lila Rose went undercover over 10 years ago, and they exposed the fact that pimps and sex traffickers are going in and taking minors for abortions and other type of so-called mm-hmm. care uh, that is damaging for their bodies, but it's to help get them back out there as sex workers, as as slaves. Right. And I just want to be really clear about that. So we need to help uh, spread the word about things such as this. The Senate Bill 14 would help to protect minors from sex trafficking and allow for a greater effort on the part of law enforcement. So that's Senate Bill 14. We'll post a link about information to that as well as in the episode notes. Catherine, has the attitude of women going into the abortion clinic changed at all since Roe versus Wade was overturned a year ago? Um, no, they, they seem to, well, a little. They, seem to, they do seem to be a little sadder. Um, but they're also, they seem to, sometimes um, the men and women going into abortion facilities, they seem to just sometimes maybe taunt or they, they don't. Um, we have some women that are sadder. They do seem more downtrodden. But then there are, when they're going in like a man and a woman sometimes, they also seem to be flippant. It's like both are happening at the same time. It's, it's uh, very interesting what we're witnessing. Um, both sides are happening. Um, a sadder woman, but then also a more flippant or angry man and woman um, are also going in. Both both are happening. Catherine, you're in the heart of the battle on the ground there in Southern mm-hmm. California. I know you're training up uh, people to be active in fighting abortion, the local community. You're educating youth. And you have a major mm-hmm. summit open to everyone coming yes. up in just a week or so. I'm very excited mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. here in Southern California. Can you share a little bit more about it and who's welcome? Yes. So just like we brought up SB 14, there are there are a lot there are a lot of things that are happening in our state and in our nation that people aren't aware of. And living in California, we know that California is the Western abortion capital of the United States. It is also a state that does not support the dignity of life that we're we're working that we're fighting against so much legislatively but then also we're we're recognizing that people they need to have a little bit they need to be equipped better with how do we handle or even talk about these things so we have this battle for life summit we called upon a lot of friends and different organizations um relevant radio was so kind you you're going to be speaking um greg burt from california family council he's going to be talking about the the california battle for the dignity of life we've got um Mary Logan Misk of Students for Life. She's going to be talking about pro-life apologetics. How do we talk about this? We know we're pro-life, but how do we articulate our position? Mauricio Leone from Live Action, they're going to be, he's going to be coming and he's going to be talking you, the individual 
in the battle for life. And we've got Nathan Jewell of Heritage Action. He's going to be talking about the national crisis and what we can do. There's a lot of information. We also have like, what is a woman? What What is feminism? And so fortunately, you're going to be coming and talking about, let's confront feminism. What is this? And what is this transgender in um, talk nowadays? And what is a woman? What is feminism? Because there's a lot of confusion. And, and then how do we get connected? What can we do about it? There's a lot more people out there that agree with what we're talking about. But let's get connected and let's work together. Let's work smart and let's work hard and let's be united and let's be equipped because as Catholic Christians, we are all called to be a voice. Your voice matters. If you think you, your one individual, can't make a difference. You can. Calling your legislators, giving giving Amen. equipment, giving tools, information to others, helping others learn what is happening so they too can be involved. And if we want to know, is it worth it? Yeah, it is. I see the little boys and little girls that we have saved from abortion. I see the kids that like right now we have our teen leaders they're working in the other offices at, at the Voxite offices, um, getting ready for our camp to equip other teens. And you see their joyful spirit, their informed, joyful spirit, knowing that our beautiful Catholic faith is wise and true and loving. And she's worth fighting for, as are all of our brothers and sisters from conception to natural death, that they all deserve a dignity of life, not a destruction of life or not a um, altered life that God would not want us to be living. Amen. So we have this coming up on the 8th, Mm -hmm. correct, of July. Uh, Who's involved and where is it? How can people register? Saturday, July 8th from noon to five. So it's going to end just before five o'clock mass. (laughs) So it's from noon to five. You're going to have a yummy lunch. You're going to hear incredible speakers. You'll be able to like sign up, get informed, get some of their literature and um, get involved or just learn what is happening. And that is Saturday. That will be in Pasadena, California. Again, that's Pasadena, California, Mm -hmm. St. Andrew's Auditorium. National speakers coming in to equip you in the battle against the radical pro abortion agenda in California. If you can be there, I'll be happy to see you. We'll share more information, but voxvitae.org forward slash summit. I'll share that on social media as well as in the episode notes. I'll be right back here on Trending. Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than 40 years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Call Timory at 1-888-914-9149. Here's your host, Timory. Do you believe in aliens? Would your faith be shaken if 
they existed. I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. I'm actually not very interested in the alien stories themselves that are coming out. I'll give you a little bit of a Sparks Notes version on the latest news. It seems to kind of hit us every six months or so. But what I am interested in is the response of people of if aliens existed, how that would or would not impact them. So we'll talk about that. If you have a thought, I would love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. Do you think that what we're hearing about aliens or unidentified objects is just advanced military tech that not everything's being let on about. Uh, do you think it's a farce? Do you think it's demonic? Uh, would it shake your faith? Love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, I want to talk about marriage. It is our weekly marriage hour. And I want to talk about what St. Augustine had to say about the goods of marriage. If you ever heard of that, they are really the foundation in many ways behind what is the robust Catholic teaching about marriage and some of what we understand in the vows that are taken when you get married, that you enter into marriage freely, you give yourself totally, uh, that you will be faithful and that includes permanence, faithful to the end, till death do us part. And that that marriage is open to life, that it's fruitful. So free, total, faithful, and fruitful. Those are fundamental elements, four fundamental elements of the vows that are made when you get married. And we've broken those down before here on Trending. But what I want to talk about is part of the teaching behind this. And that brings us to St. Augustine. Now, he's not the only one that has commented on all of this. What he has had over the years, if you've looked at some of his teaching, is he articulates the three goods of marriage, which is a smaller summary of those four parts of the vows. And those three goods of marriage that St. Augustine talks about is that one, children, so the idea of openness to life, two, fidelity, that includes mutual support of one another, and three, permanent exclusive relationship, that it's permanent, it's still death, do us part. So I want to break these three down a little bit. At the end of the day, what are these three goods of marriage about? They're about honoring the marital contract. They're about honoring what marriage is. And marriage is a covenant we make before God. It's a contract. We have a contract that is not simply on the level of let me sign off my house to another individual. Let me commit to X so many months or years of a subscription for whatever gym membership or online subscription you have and create your auto pay. And then when your auto pay kicks in and you didn't want that uh, particular subscription after all, you're two in and you're a little frustrated and you try to get out of your auto pay, doesn't quite mean necessarily you can get out of it. Sometimes you're bound by the contract. Sometimes you can find a loophole in the contract. That's not what marriage is. And I think we often think about loopholes in marriage. And so part of the problem is that we don't turn and talk about the goods of marriage. And that is part of what St. Augustine emphasizes in these three goods of marriage. Children, that children are a gift, that through having children, it builds virtue in the parents. It bonds the parents together, at least it should. I don't know. I do have a terrorist for a two-year-old right now, so I get how it can draw parents apart at times or it could drive a parent absolutely mad. However, it is an opportunity for incredible virtue building. It's an opportunity for sacrificial love. It's also an opportunity for a term that we don't use enough as Americans, and I think we should, disinterested love. 
This idea that we learn to love someone without seeking our self-interest. I have so often heard from parents who take what's happening in their children's lives, whether they're adult children or minor children, as a personal offense to them. I understand there are things that can be done that will always hurt us. But in looking at that vocation within the context of marriage as Catholics, the primary end of marriage is toward the procreation and education of children. So that means to have children and to educate them. And when I say educate them, that does not mean to for, to give away the responsibility of education. That doesn't mean pay for this type of education, move to the best school district. That means that you're forming the whole person. You're educating the whole person in discipline, in faith, in virtue, in knowledge, in fostering wisdom. It's so fundamental that we understand the wholeness of the formation of the individual. Because I think that's what's gone awry. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday here on the show. And we were talking about skills men need and want and desire to have within just the context of fixing and caring for their own home. So that's a great conversation we had with Devin Shat. I hope you'll listen if you didn't catch it. Fantastic conversation. So be sure to check that out in the episode notes. It's on the podcast if you listen there. Relevantradio.com forward slash trending. So fundamentally we have to understand that children build up that opportunity to grow in disinterested love rather than turning into a self-seeking hedonistic mindset in our relationships to give yourself in those relationships to be transformed by that self-giving not so that you can spoil and dote doting's great and even an occasional spoiling's wonderful but what i'm saying is with children you should be working toward the formation of an excellent human being centered on God, focused on God, and also understanding that level of detachment that when you give proper formation because of free will, it's what God gave us, that there is unfortunately that very sorrowful experience that children can abandon their faith. That they can walk away, that they can even engage in this trend of, quote, going no contact that so many young people have engaged in. But at the end of the day, your responsibility as a parent is toward that faithful education and formation of that whole person. And when they do struggle, when they do fall away, that you're prayerfully fighting and lovingly welcoming them in the face of of what they may be experiencing to what is good, what is true, and what is beautiful. And that is God at the end of the day. Not yourself, not how you feel, not how I feel when my two-year-old terrorist is screaming, not how I feel if I just placate them for a minute. There's a lot to be discussed there. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We're talking about the three goods of marriage as articulated by St. Augustine. The second of the three goods is fidelity, that there's mutual support in that relationship, that there's fidelity when we're honoring the marital vow, when we're honoring what marriage is, more than a contract where you try to get out of it if you don't want to keep your two, three-year subscription that was on auto-renew, more than if you find a loophole or if you stick with it because you forgot to cancel your contract before it came up, a marital contract is so much more than that. And I think it's important that we see that this is at the heart of what marriage is, that it's more than human terms. And that's why fidelity is not human-centered. It's God-centered. And God had a design for the human person, and God gives us an abundance of graces. 
And this is what allows for fidelity in marriage. I remember talking to a friend of mine who's often a guest here, a host when I'm gone, that is Brooke Taylor. And we we're talking about challenges in marriage. And she was talking about in marriage, sometimes there are days where to stay in your marriage is a pure act of the will. That is so difficult, but it is so challenging. But you're honoring that marital commitment that you remain faithful. Not just faithful in sticking with the marriage, but faithful in being a mutual support and friend and companion to your spouse. That's honoring marriage, going beyond saying, okay, well, I'm Catholic and I believe that marriage is permanent, that we remain faithful, and so I stick with it. No, it's that you're going beyond that idea of fidelity and that you're actually being faithful, not just to saying I'm sticking in this relationship, but faithful to that mutual support and growth and having, as I mentioned a moment ago, that disinterested love, that while we should have a giving and receiving, a growing in love, that within that marriage, within that relationship, that that mutual support is still there when sometimes the support from the other spouse isn't present due to season, due to lack of strength, whatever might be going on. The third and the three goods of marriage is that that relationship is permanent. Within that permanence is exclusivity within the relationship. And I think this ties back if we bump back and forth between fidelity and permanence. That permanence also being understood within the context of intimacy, bodily union, that it's till death do we part as we say in those marital vows, and that we're honoring the permanence of that marriage. And so that we're looking at marriage from the perspective of the long game, not the short term. It's not about how I feel today, how I'll feel next week, if I have that new home, if I have that next child, or if that child moves out of the house, if this person has that right education, if this part of my home is fixed, if I have that career. No, that we're faithful and permanent in our relationship through good times and bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer. Those are very fundamental elements that if we only were to ponder more often our marital vows, I think it would help to keep us accountable in marriage. And I think one of the best ways to stay accountable in marriage, to focus on the vows we make and to understand these three goods of marriage, according to St. Augustine, fidelity, children, and permanence within marriage, is that we need to go to confession regularly. How are we violating our vows of marriage? How are we failing to live out and understand and grow in these goods of marriage. There's a lot there to work with. I know there is for me when it comes to my marriage. And confession is at the core of having a strong marriage. Jesus Christ gave us the sacrament of confession. By the blood of the lamb, our sins are forgiven, and we receive the graces necessary to be fortified and strengthened in our vocation of marriage, and even better to go and receive our Lord Jesus Christ worthily in Holy Communion so that we can go forth bearing Christ to others, especially in our marriage. So often we think we need to bear Christ to others in the world, but it comes first and foremost to bearing Christ to our spouse in the context of marriage and seeing Christ in our spouse as well. Sometimes that can be a hard one in and of itself. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We're going to talk about aliens. Don't worry, we're coming up on it. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think it is an important one to be had. Aliens, here's my question for you. Do you believe in aliens? And would your faith be shaken if they existed? News every six months or so comes out saying something about aliens. Believe it or not, 
I want to know what your response is to it. I'm not so much interested in the latest news about aliens. I'm interested about how it would impact you. Do you think it's advanced military tech, a farce? Do you think they would be demons if they were sentient beings? Would it shake your faith? Or do you think something else entirely? I'd love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. We'll be talking about that in just a few minutes here on the show. I do want to talk about during our marriage hour before we get to aliens because sometimes our spouses can seem like aliens to us as we try to understand them. Complete joke. Uh, but we, I want to talk about a mother's responsibility within marriage. So my sister-in-law actually gave me a really neat Mother's Day present. It's called Mother Love. It's a manual for Christian mothers. And when she gave it to me, she said there are tons of prayers and she said there's even a lot of instruction for how to raise your children what things you should pass on in terms of the faith, morality, virtue, how you should and shouldn't correct certain things, experiences in their children's lives. And she said it's surprisingly, uh, she said it's old-fashioned, but surprisingly relevant. And I was just chuckling to myself when she said it was old-fashioned, because isn't that how often people think of our Catholic faith as old-fashioned and out of date? But what did she say? She said it's old-fashioned, but surprisingly so relevant. And so I'm going to post a link to this book. I'm really enjoying going through it. Everything from the prayers and devotions, but also especially instruction for what to pass on to your children in the faith. I really recommend this book from what I've read of it so far and a little bit about it. It was written by a priest back in and published back in, sorry, 19 in 1888. So it's almost 150 years old. It had a great support of the bishops in the diocese at that time. And it's completely a manual for moms. And so a couple things I wanted to focus on for just a minute here, because I think there's much to be said in this book that can help us in being moms. I'm going to be sharing more content from this book in the days to come because it's been very impactful uh, for me in particular. And what I want to talk about are the six truths that are laid out that we as moms and I'll say dads too, but usually the primary educator within the home of the children is the mom and the father's role is to confirm the faith in the children, to affirm it. So the education usually is given directly from the mother to the children and that the fathers are confirming and affirming that faith. And so that's normally traditionally how the faith uh, guidelines have been within the context of the education of children. Not that one shouldn't be affirming or confirming the faith or that the other shouldn't be giving the education, but that's traditionally how these roles have been filled. And if we don't fill them as mothers, who will? I mean that. If we don't do it as mothers, who will? And so here are these six truths that should be passed down in the faith. The number one is that there is one God who created and preserves and governs all things. So what does that mean? That there's one God, God alone. He is a creator and he preserves and governs all things. What does that mean for God to preserve all things? God preserves all things in that he constantly holds us in existence and he is the one who continues to allow us to have breath and life or allows us to die. If God willed it, we could die now, but he chooses to allow us free, chooses to allow us free will and for things to play its course with the nature, but God could take our lives in an instance and he governs all things. So that's number one. There's one God who created and who preserves and governs all things. Number two, in the six truths that need to be passed on to children, God is a just judge who rewards the good and punishes the wicked. 
In other words, teaching our children a sense of right and wrong, that things are black and white, not gray, and that God is a just judge and we will be judged at the end of our lives. And we should have remorse when we do wrong, when we harm others. Number three is in God, there are three persons, God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, that we need to pass on. What is it? An understanding of the Trinity. The Trinity is a great mystery. The teaching that we pass on to our children on the Trinity can be simple. Where does it start? Actually, in this manual for Christian mothers, the first thing, first thing it says to teach children is the sign of the cross. So that's a great place to begin when teaching the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And a great symbol for the Trinity is the sacrificial love of Christ on the cross given to the Father. And what is between the Father and the Son and that love between them is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who emboldens and enlightens us and is the fire within us achieving God's will on earth. Number four in the six points of doctrine, the six truths that need to be passed on to our children is the second person, Jesus Christ, became man and died on the cross to save us. Teach them about the cross. Have symbols of the crucifix in your home. Teach your children to kiss the crucifix, to love, adore, and appreciate Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for us. Don't be afraid to talk about death. For some reason, we're scared to talk to our children about death. I stump on a bug. Sorry for all those bug lovers out there. Stomp on a bug or stomp on a spider. The bug is dead. It's a great place to start. The bug's not asleep. The bug's dead. The bug's dead. I know the apostles might have gotten a little confused about Lazarus and death in the Bible, but we need to be able to teach about life and death. That's important. And God dying for our sins that there's hope and glory and joy in the midst of death. And that it is only through death that we can be with Jesus in heaven one day. There's a book on the life and story of St. Therese, along with another book I'm reading on St. Louis and St. Zaley, the parents of St. Therese. And St. Therese is a little itty bitty girl, told her parents that she hoped that they would would die. And they, they responded, Therese, why would you say such a thing? She said, so that you can go to heaven and be with Jesus. I want to die too. Our children at a young age should have a holy, healthy understanding of life and death instead of a fear. Number five in those six truths to be passed on to children is that the soul of man is immortal. What does that mean? That we have immortal souls and that this time on earth is a pilgrimage preparing us to be in two places at the end of the day, heaven or hell. And this is why we teach about God, the creator who created us to be with him, but also God, who's a just judge, who will be just in whether or not we may or may not enter the kingdom of heaven. And number six in those six truths that need to be passed on to our children is that grace is necessary for salvation. Grace is necessary for salvation. You can't do it on your own. Prayer is fundamental. We receive prayer through grace. But where do we receive grace fundamentally? Through the sacraments administered through the church. Holy communion, confession, marriage, those sacraments that are lived out. And this is why the sacraments are so important. So those are the six truths to pass on to our children. Simple ways to focus on teaching them and teaching this love and Again, my children uh, are not ready to receive Holy Communion. They've received only the first two sacraments of initiation so far in confirmation and baptism. And so 
grace understanding you're starting to talk about their baptism you know soon with my two-year-old what that means but right now also in going to holy communion talking about receiving the body of christ that god fills us with grace we're talking about the holy spirit and how there's a fire within us and that's god himself the life of god is within us that's grace and so talking about these things with our children in an age-appropriate way and when you're stumped ask for help. I'm happy to answer and give ideas. And I would love to hear ideas from you. So feel free to write to me as we talk more about feeling that primary responsibility in marriage at the end of marriage is a procreation education of children. And here's just another way that we can work on doing that. You're listening to Trending with Tim right here on Irrelevant Radio. Alas, I'm looking forward in just a moment to talking about everything from UFOs to aliens, little bit on the latest news. More so, I'm intrigued by the reaction of people on what they think about UFOs and aliens. Do you believe in them? Would your faith be shaken if they existed? Mine wouldn't be. I'll share with you why in a moment, but I want to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. Right back here on Trending to talk about aliens and UFOs. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Okay, it's time. The lines are open. I want to hear from you. Do you believe in aliens? Would your faith be shaken if they existed? Advanced military tech, do you think that's what this really is? Do you think it's all a farce? Do you think that if we actually knew about aliens, that they would actually be demons? And would your faith be shaken? I'd like to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. I'm not that interested. I'll be really frank with you in all of these alien stories. I personally, (laughs) I'll be interested to hear from people because even just the lines are blowing up now about people talking about UFO sightings that they've had. Uh, And just to be clear, what is a UFO? An unidentified object. That doesn't necessarily mean it's of alien origin. Just because we can't explain the technology doesn't mean that it's not human. I think these are important things to recognize. I'm sure there's a lot of government has achieved in terms of technology that they don't want people to know. There's so much that could be discussed here. It could be advanced military tech. It could be a farce. If you heard anything ever about uh, something called Project Bluebean, where the idea is that uh, there would be a fake alien invasion that would be simulated in the sky and that because of that, it would be used as a means to control us and scare us into submitting to various types of government entities. That's another belief that some people might have. There has been an uptick in the so-called UFO and alien interest and sightings and whistleblowers. I did have an interesting experience, and I'll share it with you in a little bit, of someone who saw a kind of a big series of lights you may have heard about on the West Coast here from Southern California, San Diego, and Orange County from Camp Pendleton. So I'll share that with you in a little bit. But I want to hear from you. What do you think? The news came out that David Charles Grush claims, and he's highly decorated, military personnel, former ex-military. He has worked in high-level government agencies. And he gave reams of cost, supposedly gave reams of classified evidence to Congress. He's being labeled as a whistleblower about UFOs. He claims U.S. government, a U.S. government program has intact craft, an intact craft of non-human origin. 
How do we know if it's a non-human origin? I'm sorry. I'm just throwing it out there on the side. I'm a high skeptic. And if even if there was some sort of light that I saw in the sky, I wouldn't just go with believing an alien. So that's my take on it. What I'm more interested about, and the lines are blowing up right now, numbers 888-914-9149. What do you think? I'm more interested in how, if we found out aliens existed, how that would impact you, or if you think we'd never find out that there were aliens, that none of these are actual uh, alien spaceships or any of that matter. Let's start with Robert in Southgate, California. Robert, welcome to Trending. What are your thoughts on aliens? Okay, before you jump on me, let me just let you know that, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm 41 years old. I've been married for 17 years. I have five kids, so I'm totally sane, all right? <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> uh, Robert. You're welcome here. This is a fun conversation. So- yeah, so uh, the 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 story you're about to hear is 100% true, and there's two witnesses with me. In 1992, midnight of Thanksgiving that year, I was 10 years old. This we were on the 110 freeway here in LA, and there was a a UFO hovering above the vehicle we were in, and we were laying down in the back of a pickup truck. So we're from Mexico, so that's normal to us, right? <laughs> but here in the states, it's illegal to be laying down. Right. And we saw the UFO, it was hovering over us for at least two, three minutes. Mm. And we're banging on the window and screaming at my mom and my aunt, like, hey, there's a UFO right on top of us. And and it was just so loud because of the wind and the speed we're going. And they're like, oh, well, well we can't hear you. And they just close the window. Then the UFO takes off, right? We get off and we tell them, hey, there was a UFO following us. And they're like, ah, shut up, little kids, you know? You guys are liars. <laughs> so ever since then, I, I knew that there was an existence of UFOs. Like you said, I didn't see the aliens in there, but I saw a UFO. Now, now, fast forward 30 years, you know, I, I'm a devout Catholic. I believe in Christ and I also believe in demons and I also believe in angels. Right. So mm-hmm. and I've seen people being affected and I've heard stories of people seeing demons. Right. Mm-hmm. So demons are technically aliens and maybe there was aliens in the UFO. I don't know. Maybe yes or not. But I, I, I believe if they are, they're, they're aliens. <laughs> And there's nothing that's going to take away from Christ and his church and people who believe, you know, because obviously if there's aliens, God created them, you know, and we know that there's aliens because demons and angels are aliens. Technically. They're not from a desert, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's I, my take. I, I, I firmly believe that they acknowledge God and that they know about Jesus and that they, they know when to bow down on him, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting because we know angels and demons are pure spirits, but they can manipulate matter. And so they could appear to us and this could account for uh, when people say that they see UFOs or various creatures that they think could be sentient beings. And just to be clear, you know, when we talk about aliens, a lot of people talk about, you know, if it's an alien, I think people usually think that that would be a rational individual, that it was a sentient being. So I love the thoughts, Robert, that you can't deny that you saw something when you were 10 years old many years ago and could it be demonic it could be but you know here's what you experienced and it cracks me up you said first of all i am sane <laughs> i think that's funny because when we go into this conversation i think there are a lot of opinions on one side versus the other regarding aliens so let's go ahead and dive into another one because i think there's lots to be said on this okay let's see Paul in Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio. Paul, welcome to Trending. What are your thoughts on aliens? Hi, Timory. Um, I just think that there is a danger that people would uh, come to believe 
that Christ was merely an alien or some higher life form from outer space, rather than to believe he's the God of all. They would just think, well, he's godlike to us because he's from a more advanced civilization. So it could be part of a deception. And there was a good book. I, I don't have the book, but I always wanted to get it. Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future by a Russian Orthodox monk written in the 70s. And uh, I think he believed that there would be some uh, deception within the, the religious world uh, regarding aliens or supposed aliens. So in other words, that when at a certain time in civilization, if there was this overemphasis on aliens, it would be an effort almost to shake people's faith. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. And I would kind of maybe in responding to that, Paul, I could almost see where this obsession about aliens that we see in the media, it's very sensational. It's a very tabloid oriented that it is stemming from a very post-Christian society, very atheistic and godless culture. The quickest growing religion right now, we could argue, is the nuns, people who don't identify with anything. And I think that aliens can almost be that search for a higher power, for creating a god. I think that's part of what we see even in uh, things such as the obsession with AI technology. What are your thoughts? Yes, uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, the less people believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the more likely they're going to be to believe other things. And uh, it, it does seem like there, there's a leak or a push every so often to kind of get people curious about UFOs, or like they're trying to prime people for some big uh, uh, re- reveal on aliens or something. And uh, I agree. Um, yeah. AI too. I I I I don't know what to think about that. That's way over my head. But. <laughs> That's a whole other topic, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I think it it could be deceptive, and uh, if there were aliens. Uh, evidently, uh, Jesus didn't feel it was necessary to let us know. So, mm. I mean, there could be or there could not be, but uh, we don't need to know about it one way or the other to be saved. But we have to be careful not to uh, not to be deceived. And that is something very important I was actually going to talk about a little later on, that even if there are aliens that exist, that it's not necessary for our salvation. As we know in Divine Revelation, everything necessary for our salvation has been revealed. That's why we aren't even required to believe in the various Marian apparitions. It's great if you have a devotion, for example, to Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima, and many of the others, but it's not necessary for your salvation. Could it help in giving you graces? Absolutely. And so why I'm saying this is that if aliens exist, some people might say, hey, I feel duped. The Catholic Church didn't tell me. God didn't say that there were aliens. I understand where some people might say, wow, this is interesting, scary, uh, but I can't get where people say it shakes my faith because at the end of the day, our goal is to get to heaven. And no matter what invasion we may experience from another country or if aliens existed, I don't think they do, that we understand that we at the end of the day are responsible for how we come to know things and freely choose them and love and interact with others in our pursuit of God. So I want to hear from Peter in California. Peter, what are your thoughts on this whole alien conversation that's circulating yet again every couple months we hear hear about it? I tend to just hang my head and ignore it because I've, I've already been convinced in 
from the declarations of the church that it's an impossibility. Anybody who claims that they saw an alien or aliens exist or any manifestation is just they're either mistaken or they're being deceived by the, the devil. Mm. I don't know what declaration of the church in particular talking about. If you have a reference for that, I would love to look at that. But what I can say in terms of what you're saying, Peter, is that there is not any scientific evidence of alien life. And I think that's really important that we don't have any evidence of a sentient being, a being that can reason apart from ourselves. And so that is very significant in this conversation. And so I I agree with you, Peter. I kind of keep my head down. Like, it's not really relevant to me. You know, I think it becomes sensationalized. But I actually talked to someone a couple weeks ago, and I was startled by this. And this is someone who is very well catechized, you know, has great faith. And he kept saying that if alien life existed, that his life would really be shaken. His life would be absolutely shaken. And I was startled by that, that he was so perturbed by the idea that aliens could exist, whether it was that God duped him, that some something else could reason. I think there are a lot of directions that we could go in from, okay, if aliens exist, does that mean that there are other universes? If aliens exist, does that mean that Jesus came to save them as well? You know, the, the ideas can go on and on. But at the core of that is we are saying if, if, and then again, if. So let's talk for just a moment because I think it is significant. And I want to share a couple other thoughts before I do. I think first, you know, we're hearing from a lot of people. I know Brandon in San Diego, California has some thoughts on this as well. Brandon, I'd love to hear your thoughts real quick before we wrap up the conversation, if you want to share briefly. Yeah, sure. I'll try to keep this as concise as I can. So um, on this is sort of two thoughts. One, if aliens exist in the traditional sense that everybody talks about them, little green men in spaceships um, that are from our known universe, then I think that's great. I think there's, there's nothing incompatible with our Christian faith in that. In fact, I'd be very disappointed if there aren't other living life forms um, that are intelligent in our known universe. Where I think things get a little interesting is if it turns out that there are other intelligent life forms that maybe exist in another um, form of, of either consciousness or uh, another dimension, as, as we've kind of alluded to, then you have to ponder, okay, are those um, spirits? Are they something else? And if it turns out that we can figure out that there's something else, they're not part of our physical universe, they're not from... The, the spiritual world where we traditionally think of angels and demons, then what is that? And I think that's where you would really have to grapple with why is there something outside of our sort of binary understanding of, of existence outside mm-hmm, yeah. of our known universe and, and the world of, um, you know, angels and demons. If yeah. there's a third thing, what is that? And, and why is there no reference to that mm-hmm. whatsoever? In, in anything we've ever been taught. So, yeah, I can tell you've really thought about this, Brandon. You know, having upholding your faith and honoring that, but also recognizing, you know, if these did exist, again, we're talking about ifs. Why wasn't it explained? Why wasn't it mentioned? So, here are a few things. I just want to kind of wrap up this conversation about aliens. I think at the end of the day, it's sensationalized. I think that it's partially because of a culture that is searching to worship something greater than themselves. And that's why we continue to hear about it more often than not. And I don't think we should be afraid because at the end of the day, our goal, our orientation is toward God. And even if 
Again, that's a big if. There's no scientific evidence of alien life form. And even when we have UFOs, remember, it stands for unidentified objects. That's significant. Uh, that we recognize that God could create other worlds. God could create other life forms. He could even create other sentient life forms. But that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, our life is about a life of grace, whether or not we are in conformity with Jesus Christ and if we are headed toward heaven or hell. And I think that's what we need to remember at the end of the day in these conversations, that this whole alien conversation is centering around a lot of ifs, which makes it fun for conversation, but it's irrelevant to our salvation. Christianity, biblical truths stand true, and that's the bottom line. So that's been a fun conversation about aliens. Thanks for joining me here on Trending. Coming up next is a family rosary across America. Know of my prayers for you, and I hope you will pray for me as well.